What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Welcome back to those of you tuning online this morning, those of you here in my presence. Thank you so much for attending with us today. We are also, I want to go ahead and introduce myself to those of you online. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church. I want to thank you so much for tuning online this morning, but what we want to do is invite you to come and join us next Sunday morning at 381 East Deerwood Drive, right here in Jackson, Missouri, because we would love to meet you and your family and pray with you about whatever needs you may have in your life. So I look forward to seeing you all next week. Those of you tuning online may have noticed a different background. We've actually been maneuvered just a little bit this week. We are in the lounge at the Civic Center because there was a double booking on the calendar accidentally. And so we are here and we are going to do this without a microphone. So I'm hoping you guys can hear me well out there. We're going to be beginning a brand new series this morning entitled, From Jacob to Israel. And there is a transition there, and you'll notice that transition as we get to the name change, when Jacob goes from Jacob, supplanter, to Israel, and we'll talk about what Israel means when we get to that point. So this morning, I want to kind of take a moment to go ahead and back up for just a minute, because this morning's topic is going to be, who is Jacob? Some of you who may not have been tuning over the last several weeks or the last couple of weeks may not even know who this Jacob guy is. What I want to do today is actually back up just a little bit into our text to what we've read over the last couple of weeks towards the end of our Star Wars series. And I want to take an extra deep, a little bit deeper look into the context of the text as it is written in scripture and I think if you've caught any of our other messages over the last couple of weeks it will better explain what is going on with this Jacob guy who is Jacob what is this who is this kid some of you have been told all your life that the name means deceiver which is not actually an accurate translation of the name Jacob Jacob means supplanter or to replace which is exactly what we found happened last week when we wrapped up our Star Wars series talking about what happened between him and Esau and how he managed to get the blessing from his father. We're going to take a little bit deeper look at that blessing today. We're also going to take a little bit deeper look at these guys. What is going on here in the text? We're going to be, our key passage for this entire series is going to come from Jeremiah chapter 1. Verses 4 through 8, and what I want to try to accomplish through this series is letting you know that no matter what your past has been, that God can always change your future. And I said it this way here a couple of years ago at the church, and I kind of like the way it was worded, but your past does not determine your future. So whatever you've done in your past, whatever wrongs, however you may have done some things, it doesn't matter because once you become born again and God saves your soul, you're giving a clean slate to start freshly in the Lord and you can begin walking out that calling God has for your life. The key there is that you've got to get that clean slate. You've got to ask to receive 
That salvation that the Lord offers. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Here's what it says. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray this morning and we'll begin our passage that we're going to be talking about. Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, for those tuning in online, Lord, the, those that are tuning in here in my presence. I pray that you will guide this message, Lord, that even now you'll begin to speak your words through me, that they would not be my own, that your message may come across this video today or those here listening. Your message will come from this stand here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the deal. Remember, some of you want to take to thinking that, you know, what's the purpose? What's the point? You're looking at your life. You're looking at where you're at right now. And you're looking around and you're thinking, what could God possibly use me to do? Now, here's the deal. We read this key passage. And what's believed by most theologians, the ones that study these passages, is that Jeremiah was probably around 13 years old here. So he was young. He was, he was a boy. That's why you see him in the text say, but Lord, I'm young. I can't speak to these people. Yet, no matter whether he was 13, 15, wherever he was, they're thinking he was somewhere in that age range, is the debates, that he was a young person. That's why he said, how can you use me? Some of you out there, it's not your age you're looking at. It's the fact that you feel like you're wasting your time. What are you doing with your life? You feel like there should be something more, and I'm here to tell you this morning, there probably is. Especially if you've been living your life, life on a routine basis and you've been going just day to day to see if you can make it. Now, many of us get to that point in our life where we're just living day to day. We're good to make it through the day. But you've got to understand something. And we talked a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago. You've got to be able to look to the future. You've got to be able to look to where God's taking you because that is going to be the encouragement that strengthens you and gets you to where you're going. Rebecca here. And what we're getting ready to start, and we're going to jump around a little bit over the verses we've read over the last couple of weeks. So what I want to do is give you a deeper understanding of what's going on in the context of the Bible and why we drew the conclusions we have over the last couple of weeks. That when we kind of just skim the surface, but there's actually an even deeper meaning in the text. And we're going to talk about that this morning as we begin to introduce Jacob a little bit to those of you who may not be familiar. As we take him from Jacob... To Israel. As God takes you from, fill in the blank, your name to who you're going to become. And that's going to be the encouragement, I hope, throughout this series that you can see that God can use you no matter what you've done to make a difference in this world. But a couple of weeks ago now, we found that Rebecca, who had been barren, which was Isaac's wife, we talked about her more weeks back than that, we're not going to go back that far. But she is pregnant, even though she was barren, Isaac prayed, and at 60 years old, he ends up having kids, right? He was 40 when he married Rebecca, we found that out. He ends up being 60 before he has kids, because she was believed to be barren as well. But God did bless Isaac, because remember, he had promised Abraham 
a nation. And if it would have stopped with his son, there's a, not a very good chance that there's going to become a nation from that. So God had bigger plans, no matter what it looked like in their lives at that moment. So she does end up getting pregnant. And I'm going to be doing a lot of paraphrasing and summing of passages today because we're going to kind of jump around. I want to hit on some key points this morning. Rebecca becomes pregnant, but there's something wrong. Her question is, God, if everything's okay, then why do I feel like this? That was the question that she asked God. Now, in the uh, commentary of things I've been using, it was said that she was asking an oracle, whether that was a human Whatever it was, I'm going to just say, you're going to hear me say, I'm not going to say oracle this morning. I'm just going to say the message because whether it was from God or man, Rebecca goes for some counsel on what is going on within her body. And, in, and the text tells us there that the Lord said to her, and once again, whether this was through someone else or God spoke directly, that's why I'm just going to refer to it as the message he gives her this morning. He said in Genesis 25, verse 23, when he made a response, he said, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Something important here that we need to go ahead and take into the context of what this passage is saying is, it's not referring to the twins here. It's referring to the nations that they will become. So in a way it's referring to them, but it's referring to actually the people. That's why it says two peoples are in your womb. That's two nations. And when he talks here, he's referring to what's going to come from these children. He's talking about the nations. However, what we find here is that in the last part he says, one shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. That's a little bit opposite of what actually went on in that society. Generally, and we'll find out as we talk about it more, the oldest kind of led the way. But in this case, God says that the younger or the oldest will serve the younger. It does not suggest, however, that the younger son is better or favored by God. Though undoubtedly, God determines the destiny. God is the one that's telling her this is what's going to take place. So God had something in mind when he placed, he knew that Jacob was going to rule over Esau. Nor does it suggest, the Lord suggests here that the younger will be favored, should be favored by the parents more or treated better than the oldest. That's not what it's suggesting here. The message concerns the destiny of the descendants, but gives no instruction for parenting the individuals. Remember, as we talk about this text, and many have talked about it, this particular passage is not referring to parenting. When you hear the story of Isaac, Rebecca, and their favor to each of their sons, remember, Isaac favored Esau, the oldest, the one that came out first. Rebecca favored the youngest, who was Jacob. This does not tell us, though, you should favor this one over this one. It doesn't, but check it out. The message concerns the destiny. It's talking about the nations. But here's what happens. They become born, and we find that the hairy one comes out first. So his name literally means red or hairy, and that is Esau, who comes out first. And then Jacob grabs a hold of the heel and comes out next. Jacob, we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, his name means Supplanter, replacement. He is going to replace his older brother in the blessings that God has for them both. He's going to be the one that leads 
the way. But here's something I found interesting. When you take a look at the actual Hebrew word here for the name Jacob, and I never give you those to some of you... You're not going to remember that anyway, but here's the Hebrew. In the Hebrew, the names given are Harry and Supplanter. Those names are unique. They stand in front of the long history that repeatedly illustrates the appropriateness of their name. So they were named this way, but you've got to remember in the scripture and in the text, when you named your kid, that is pretty much who they became, like it or not. So the name Jacob in Hebrew, and it's, I believe it's pronounced Yakubel, if I said that right, is common in Western or in the West Semitic. However, and it means, here's the meaning in the Western, and when they named their kids Jacob, here's what it meant. May the God El protect. Now, you've got to remember in the Hebrew scriptures, a lot of times God is referred to Elohim. So when they say El, they just know that they're referring to Elohim in the scriptures. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. When I first read that and the God of El, the thing that came to my mind, and maybe we'll talk about this in a later series. I don't have the time to go there today. Is Superman. Remember? Remember the uh, Jerry Siegel, is it? And Joe Schuster, the ones that um, uh, created Superman. They were Jews. Was this their intent? Behind Superman, I don't know. We're going to talk about that maybe in a later series, but you got to understand the story. Superman, his father, sends his only son away from a planet that's being destroyed to be a savior on another planet. I don't know. You guys put the you put it together yourself. But when I heard that, the God of El, I know it's talking to, about Elohim, but. I also began to think, man, I wonder what really Jerry and Joe were thinking when they created this Superman character. That's just side subject. So let's not talk about that anymore right now. Genesis 25. We're going to keep reading there in verse 27. We'll make sure I hit everything we needed to cover right there in that particular text. And I believe I did. So let's move on to verses 27 and 28 of Genesis 25. So the boys grew. And Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Something you need to understand here, that word love that's being translated there is talking about favor. But remember, the story of Isaac and Rebekah and what went down here with the blessing is not a story of parenting your kids. It's a story of how Jacob inherited the blessing and moved on. But check it out what it says. The, best, the message does not excuse Rebekah's preferential treatment of Jacob, nor does it condemn Isaac's preferential treatment of Esau. Once again, this is not a message about parenting. The text is not about parenting. There's an indication of favoritism here, however. That word love, one of them, they love both of their kids, and that's something you shouldn't understand either. Every parent loves both of their children. However, what's indicated here in the text is that Rebecca favored Jacob, Isaac favored Esau. So there's that favoritism that's being shown there. Not that they didn't love the other one. That either one of them you're talking about, whichever one, but they just love this one a little bit or favored him a little bit more. They loved them both, but they favored one more than the other. The text here is not saying that's necessarily right, but here's what I want to key on here in verses 27 and 28, because this kind of clears up where we went here. I believe it was last week when we were talking about the text. Here it is. 
The term there that we see in our text that says Jacob was a mild man. Let's start. Let's stop right there. What's mild man mean? Well, let's talk about it. Most often in the Bible is parallel to the adjective meaning upright. What? Pastor, this guy is getting ready to lie and he earn a birthright. And, or not, he lies to earn the blessing. And he's going to take this birthright. And, see, that's the deal. Many of these find, many people when they're reading that text find this unsuitable for Jacob in the meaning. That doesn't mean that you take away from what it actually means. But a lot of people don't find that suitable. So they end up looking for other alternatives. And here are some of those alternatives. The alternative that's most commonly used besides the meaning we said upright. That also means perfect or innocent. Okay. Besides meaning that, that's what we're talking about. Besides meaning perfect or innocent, it has been suggested that the adjective may also carry the sense of complete. Now, this is the people that don't see Jacob as innocent. They don't see him as perfect, like the text seems to indicate here. But what they do is they pull that, well, maybe this text here, and this is kind of out there, and I was looking at the commentary, this, there's not really a basis. You can't deny it. But there's not really a basis that says this is right. So I want you to understand something. Most commonly, it's perfect or it's innocent. That mild man translation there. However, if it were to carry the sense of complete, like many are suggesting, what they're suggesting is that he was probably a sophisticated and refined, organized, administrative type of person who is conscientious of what's going on around him. He's detail-oriented well-rounded and efficient. So what they're saying, kind of like we talked last week, when we talked about who would be the better leader out of the two, even if it's not suggesting perfect or innocent, like they believe it actually is, if it is suggesting the completeness, then what the text here is telling us is that he is a well-administrative person. He knows how to lead. He knows how to organize things. He knows how to do things, which is why I gave you the suggestion I gave you last week that maybe he was the better pick for the blessing, just judging by their personalities. Check this out. Even though the text there when God says the younger will serve the oldest does not necessarily say that, what we're saying is whichever way you look at it, he seems to be a leader of some sort. That's in his personality. That's natural for him. Now check out the part. Here's something I found a little bit interesting, and we won't hang there long. Right after it says Jacob was a mild man, you read the next line, it says dwelling in tents. Now some people have suggested that means he's a mama's boy maybe, or something like that. Well, not necessarily, but what is better indication of what's going on here in the text, it seems that this dwelling in the tents phrase, in the actual original language, means he was engaged in some sort of seminomatic pastoralism. So some sort of ministry. He studied, somehow, pastoral stuff. He was a pastoral type person. So, take it what you want, but that is the context of what's going on within these passages, dwelling in tents. It's not saying he was just a mama's boy. What it's saying is, somehow he was probably engaged and seminomatic pastoralism, which is pastor, a leader, leadership of some sort, maybe in some sort of ministry. Now, we know there wasn't a written word just yet. 
We're going by the dating, what Moses, we believe, wrote the Old Testament. So, however this took place, it's believed that he was in a more of a pastoral position. I thought that was interesting. Continuing there in verse 29, Genesis 25, it says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, Look, I am about to die, so what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, Swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank and arose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And that is key to understanding what has just happened here in the text. First thing you need to understand about the birthright. The birthright in this day was the oldest son's material estate from the family. Basically, he inherited. And here's how that worked. The oldest in the families would always inherit a double portion. And then however many kids you had left... They got, you know, a single portion. So here's how I believe when they divided things up. Say you've got 12 or 13 kids, right? So let's so say you got 12 kids just for the sake of, you know, we're going to get to the 12 tribe, whatever. You got 12 kids. You're going to pass out a birthright. Here's how it worked. They would divide it into 13 portions and the oldest would get two of the portions. So they would get more. And the youngest or the rest of the siblings would get one portion. It was divided to them, but the oldest always got a double portion, or they got more of what was being handed out, whatever estate that that was. So here's the deal with the birthright. This is Esau. Now, there's only two of them. So what would happen, more than likely, is he would divide it into thirds, and one of the sons would get two-thirds, and the other would get one-third. So what he's giving up here is his two-thirds instead of, so now he'll get one-third. So it's not saying he won't get anything. What it is saying is that he gave away his double portion of what he could have had. And some believe that maybe there would have been more than that. Who knows in this text. But here's the deal. The birthright was the oldest son's material estate of the family. So understand that. The firstborn received a double portion. We just talked about that. So Jacob was more than likely, now let's set the stage here for what's going on. More than likely, Jacob here in the context was not hanging out in the kitchen just cooking some soup. What's believed here is that more than likely he had set up a shepherd's camp because he was out with the sheep with the shepherds. Because you got to understand something. Generally, a servant would be the one cooking. So, but Jacob, for whatever reason, is here and is talking about cooking the stew or whatever. So generally, that would be a servant's job. Because Jacob would be a leader. So what's believed is he was leading a group of shepherds, a crew of shepherds out in some pasture. And they had set up a shepherd's camp. And basically they would have been cooking lunch for the shepherds, the ones that were out there working. Somehow Esau stumbles in onto the shepherd's camp, wherever he was at. Whether he knew it was there or didn't, it doesn't really say. He kind of goes to the camp and what is believed probably happened here. Jacob was more than likely cooking this stew in a shepherd camp which Esau happens to stumble upon. And since this would have usually been the job of a servant, it is believed here that Jacob probably sees this opportunity and takes charge. Oh, there's my older brother Esau. I got an idea, right? Now, this is a little bit deceptive. But remember, the name Jacob does not mean deceive or deceiver. It means supplanter or heel is somewhere in the roots. But they believe that it's probably not more accurate 
accurate to say he was a heel, that the supplanter part was probably more accurate here. And we read the other definition earlier. I'm going to let you rewind and go back and look at that if you want to see it. So here is Esau, stumbles in on the camp. He's hungry. But here's the deal. Jacob sees this opportunity. Huh. Watch, let's see what happens. So Esau stumbles in. He's basically saying, I am starving, right? Give me some of that stew that you're cooking up that probably he was preparing for the shepherds that were there in that camp. Give me some of that. So what's Esau, or so what's Jacob do? A little deceptive thing. He walks in, well, now it's believed Jacob took charge of the situation. So the servants went back to doing whatever. Jacob comes in and says, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright as of this day. Swear it to me, and I'll give you some. Now, the key indication of what happened here, and this is what led us to the personality uh, conclusion last week when I said, yeah, Jacob was probably more... Uh, Better choice for a leader? Because here's what it happens. That word despised there. In this day, if the oldest gave up their birthright, it was looked down upon highly in this culture. So what's saying here by that word despised is that it's showing us that Esau valued it so cheaply that he sold it for a bowl of stew. This was looked down upon in this society. So everybody reading this story or text in the day it was written would have saw this as kind of a disgrace. He despised. That's why that word despised is used there. Gave it up for a bowl of stew. That's where we got that indication that hmm, Jacob may have been a better choice. What would have happened later if Esau would have inherited things? Would he have gave them up? You never know. Just depending on how hungry he was, right? Not saying that. Text doesn't tell us that. But I'm just throwing something out there for you to think about. So he despised it. He didn't value it very much. Looked down upon highly in this society. Jumping over to Genesis 26. I'm gonna, I want to read this passage to kind of set up what's getting ready to happen next. G Genesis 26 verses 34 to 35. Was when Esau was 40 years old, he took as wives Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Basemath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. That's key to what's getting ready to happen next. Let me set that up for you real quick. It is believed here that Isaac and Rebekah were bothered by the wives that Esau had chosen. Check it out, because that sets up the next part of the story in the context of scripture. Genesis 27 verses 1 to 4. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau his older son and said to him, my son. And he answered him, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old and do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, here is context for those of you who are looking. They believe by looking at the way this is written here. This may have been Isaac's effort. Check it out, which gets misinterpreted by Rebecca. Check it out. This may have been an effort by Isaac to bless him and send him on his way. Remember, 
the verse before us told us that they were bothered by the wives he had chosen, right? So it's believed Isaac may have been here trying to just bless him and send him on his way with his families and his wives, which would get them out of his, their hair. That's kind of the, the gist of what's going on here, right? Because they weren't necessarily satisfied or happy with the wives he had chosen. However, remember, Rebecca hears this in the other room. Rebecca may have misread Isaac's attempt. Which led to the confusion of the blessing. Check it out. Rebecca hears this. Remember, she hears it. So she goes and gets Jacob. You know the story. Tells him, hey, we got to get this. We want to get you the blessing, right? So they rush things. So here, if that was Isaac's intent, and according to the context, they believe it may have been his intent. Instead, at the end of this deceptive blessing-taking thing we're going to talk about, Jacob ends up leaving, not Esau. Now check it out. Just, just, just roll with it for a minute, because this is, I thought this was interesting. Rebecca misreads it. She tells Jacob, hey, he's getting ready to bless him. Let's get you, let's get you, go get some goats, and we're going to cut them up. We're going to make them. We're going to cook them like your dad likes. And then Jacob, remember, he's like, hey, how, how would I do that? What happens if I reap a curse from this instead of a blessing because he finds out I'm Jacob, right? So it kind of may, if he had pastoral things about it, it may have been why he kind of, hey, mom, wait a minute. But in obedience to his mom. So the blessing being spoke here, here's what it is. Isaac's talk about this blessing. It's important to understand the difference. That's why we're going here. The blessing being spoke of here is the patriarchal blessing. Now here's what that is. This is like we spoke of, remember when we talked about Noah, back when we talked about our Surviving the Flood series. Noah, remember when we called it a pronouncement of the father that's kind of what's going on here. He pronounces things to his son. God is not obligated by any fashion to give what this father's telling, but this was kind of their hopes and their wishes for their kids. So they would pronounce this patriarchal blessing upon their kids. Okay? So that's the type of blessing that's going on here. It's a patriarchal blessing. It didn't necessarily say that God was obligated to this blessing, but when reading the other biblical accounts, generally it would appear that he did bring them to pass. Remember, the things that you heard Abraham and all these people talking about when they give this pronouncement, Noah, the different one, Joseph later, we'll get to soon, that it would appear that generally they came to pass. God wasn't obligated by any means to fulfill that pronouncement. But those, most of the time, generally in the Bible, they came to pass the way they had been set. Long story short, you want more details, go get last week's. I'm trying to wrap up here so we can stay true to our time. But long story short, Jacob ends up deceiving his dad, who probably, at this point, there was a lot more than just his eyesight that was down. His taste and different things they're believing. Like a bunch of his senses were kind of low. They were dim. Because otherwise... How would he have not recognized the difference here? So, uh, and that would be like hearing, touch, different things that believing that possibly were out. And there were five areas which Jacob used. We're not going to get into them today for the lack of time. But there were five areas where they believe that the senses seem to be dimmed with Jacob. Not just his, or not Jacob, Isaac. Not just his eyesight. Wrap up today's message. I want to just kind of wrap this up because next week we're going to get more into after he leaves the camp. Genesis 28. In Genesis 28, this is after Rebekah pleads with Isaac about sending her son to get a wife from somewhere else. 
Maybe a result of Esau choosing poorly. Rebecca wants to send Jacob to her brother Laban to pick a wife from somewhere in his family, right? So that he can have a good wife. So she pleads with Jacob. Ends up Jacob does send Isaac, or, or sorry, pleads with Isaac and does send Jacob. I keep getting my names mixed up. But uh, Genesis 28, this right here, and we're going to talk more about this next week. This is what we call the covenant blessing. This is the blessing that God promised. This is the covenantial blessing. So he's already obtained the patriarchal blessing. He's already obtained the birthright, deceptive in the way he did it, but he did. Now, Jacob, before he sends him off, he gives them him the covenant blessing that God gave his father Abraham. He gives him Isaac, and now he's sending Jacob with this covenant blessing. Genesis 28, 3-4 is the covenant blessing. And we talked a little bit about this last week. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. That's the covenant blessing. This is the blessing God gave Abraham. This is the one God will fulfill through him. This is the covenant blessing. This is the one that's confirmed by God. So now you, I hope today you get a better understanding. The birthright was the estate, that inheritance. And this oldest always got the double. Well, in this case, Jacob ends up earning the double. Because Esau sells it or gives it to him, right? The patriarchal blessing, which was like a ceremony. They set it up. It was a special moment, which is why it would explain why Esau was so mad when Jacob got it. Because this was, this was something to celebrate. This was the patriarchal blessing. Is the blessing or the pronouncement that the fathers will onto their sons and hope that they fulfill it. God's not obligated, but this is what they hope to see in their future. Then this last one is the covenant blessing, which we're going to start talking about more next week. So I'm going to stop there for today. If you're tuning in online this morning, I want to go ahead and dismiss you this morning as we get ready to wrap up. If you've never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, it's really simple. All you have to do is ask. The Bible talks about repenting. It means you're going this way, you want to make a 180, and you want to go God's way. So you tried it your way, it wasn't working out. You want to go God's way with your life. So, you simple. You just ask. You say, Dear Jesus... I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death, that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart, be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, you sincerely mean it from the bottom of your heart. It doesn't take all those words. The Bible says, believe Jesus rose from the dead, you will be saved. But it comes with, it comes with, ask for forgiveness. You do that and you receive Christ into your heart. Once you've done that, you need to find a good church home so you can begin some sort of a powerful discipleship. Get in a church that's going to disciple you, that's going to teach you the word, that's going to teach you how to strengthen your Christianity. And after that, you need to be baptized. You need to be following in Jesus' footsteps and be baptized. But if you prayed that prayer this morning and you're tuning online, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Go to nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Up at the top of the page, click on the menu button. Go all the way to the right side and click on the Road to New Life link that's in that Dropbox. 
That's going to take you to a separate website that I created in college. What that will do will walk you through the process, the steps, the things involved with salvation, why it's necessary, all of that that can fill in a lot of the details that we don't hear at the particular altar call get to. Has the verses, talks about why it was even needed. So go to that website, check it out. You get to the very bottom of the page. There's a prayer similar to the one I just prayed. If you need help praying, maybe you hadn't prayed it yet or you want to receive him, but you don't know how to pray. It's there. And at the very bottom, there's a contact form that comes directly to my email, which is trentoncruz at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send me a contact form. I want to know that you receive Christ into your life this morning so I can celebrate with you. Get in a good church, get baptized. And let's continue this journey because this thing is a journey. We're walking out our salvation. Thank you so much for tuning online this morning. God bless you. I can't wait to see you next week. We're going to continue this series from Jacob to Israel. God bless. We'll see you next week.